Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman. Hope the school holidays are going well for you if, if they affect you. Um, this is episode 221. It is a conversation with a Wellington-based actor and voice-over talent, voice actor, Drew MacArthur. Uh, I first saw Drew in a play last year called The Aliens. You might remember I talked to Cassandra Teese, the director of that play. Um, amazing play by the supremely talented American playwright Annie Baker. And there were three people in that play and they were all stars, they were all fantastic. But I had never seen Drew before. Uh, he was the youngest actor and he played the youngest character in the play. And, I, and I, in a way he was the emotional hinge of that play. And I was, I, I was so blown away by his performance that I remember thinking, man, I'd like to meet him and talk to him one day. Well, here we are a year or so later and I've seen him in another play, Burn Her, which he was also excellent in and was a great play. And I found out that he has this side gig, which is actually his main job of doing voice work. Now he does ad copy all around the world, but he also does audio books. Um, he's got a bedroom studio and he will sit and spend 30 hours uh, with breaks, obviously, uh, recording audiobook texts, he will do ad copy, e-learning texts, anything that needs to be voiced he will do and he will do them in American accents, English accents, Australian, New Zealand. He has got uh, jobs all, all around the world and you can go to his site and listen to samples and audio links of him doing this work. Uh, amazing. So I was very keen to talk to him and then it turns out he's one of the uh, performers in an upcoming radio drama called Apocalypse Songs. It's a it's a piece of musical theatre that is screening, uh, airing once a week on Radioactive from now and then you can uh, check it out in a podcast feed the next day. So I'll have the link for that and he is one of the characters in that. So we got together and had a chat about all of those things and uh, I was... Uh, inspired and amazed by his story and uh, I'm in awe of his uh, his talent and his enthusiasm and his professional acumen and I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, Apocalypse Songs is by Red Scare, the company that did uh, The Aliens. Again, you can go back and listen to my previous episode with Cassandra Teese um, and this is me talking with Drew MacArthur. We've only just met, I don't know yep. you, but I have seen and heard some of your work. I have seen you in a couple of plays, yeah, which I loved, and, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but um, who are you? You know, where did you where did you come from? You have Good question. Yeah, yeah. Who are, I guess you're still trying to find that out. Like, yeah. You have. Um, we've we've just off tape talked about your name. You've got a name that you can't pronounce, but it's actually really straightforward. Yeah, you're Drew. It's just Drew. Yeah. Uh, it's Welsh apparently, yeah. but no good reason for that. Yeah. You know. But, yeah, so I grew up in... Did, did you get on with your parents? Do you get on with your parents? Yeah, yeah. After, even after they named you? Oh, yeah. I give them, <laughs> I give them shit about it all the time. Yeah. But um, <laughs> my mum likes to say, well, you know, people aren't going to forget your name, are they? And well, I said, it's very yeah, true. But, but no one can read it, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> even if they remember the name, they're not going to be able to say yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very true. Actually, I mean, has it been a, um, a handy or a hindi hindering thing? Or not really, just I, it, it hasn't made well as far as I know, it hasn't mm. made much of a difference. I mean, the worst it's got is um, being in high school, and when they, you know, first day there, they yeah, name yeah. everyone, and the teacher just yeah. kind of made a guttural noise instead of saying a name. But yeah, yeah, you know, other than that, it's 
It, I mean, it, maybe it has helped. Maybe my mother's right, but I'd never tell her that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so where, 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 where are you from? Are you from here or...? No, where, where... I'm from Invercargill. Right. Yep, born and raised. Uh, yeah, yeah, so lived there my whole life with my parents and sister. Um, somehow didn't get a Southland accent. Don't know how that mm. happened. My sister has one, but I mm. don't. Um, so I dodged that bullet somehow. You don't, as in you don't remember consciously ditching it at all. No. You just you just didn't have. I uh, even as a young kid, yeah, other people would ask me where I was from where because from? they yeah, yeah, yeah. and there was no good reason for it. As yeah. my, my sister has the rolled That's art, the... <laughs> all of that kind of thing. Um, That's the power of that name spelling. Maybe it is. <laughs> maybe it is. Yeah. Yeah, I needed to get good at pronouncing things. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So. Lived there my whole life, and then probably two and a bit years ago, moved up here for university, um, after having a gap year after high school, mm. and um, yeah, started started acting and things. And so, I mean, you're an actor and a and a voice guy. Yeah. What do you call yourself? A voiceover. Voice actor. Voice actor. Yeah. Voice. Because they are different now. Now, many actors get into doing a bit of voice work. Yeah. Um, there are people who are exclusively voice people who aren't mm-hmm. really actors, although it's a type of acting. You're you're both already, and is that yeah. what you plan to no. do? Um, well, I, honestly, none of it is <laughs> planned. how I planned <laughs> yeah, it yeah. or what I planned. Yeah. I, I wanted to be an actor. Yeah. Um, I didn't think it would happen yet. Mm. Um, so I, I came to university and I didn't study acting and I, I did something entirely different, mm. knowing that I wanted to give it a go at some point. Um, and the voice acting thing, I kind of fell into it. Mm. I must have heard, this was before I moved up to Wellington, I must have heard someone talking about it or read something and I had a microphone and I was working during my gap year and thought, well, it won't hurt to give it a go, will it? And so I did bits here and there and it just kind of snowballed from there. Mm. Um, yeah, and I, I think of myself as an actor who does, who, who really enjoys voiceover, but does that to fund my acting. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because it seems and to it's be... And o- it's obviously related. Like, it's a handy thing to yeah. consciously be, you know, one of the tools of your trade is a crucial tool of your trade as a voice. So. Absolutely, and one of the big things that I do in terms of voiceover is audiobooks. Yeah. So, and that's, Uh, I love doing that. Yeah. You know, it's that storytelling, going into that world and, Mm. and, and conveying it to other people is. But also endurance, right? Can be. Yeah. (laughs) No, but I mean, that's great endurance training. Oh yeah. Like, you know, if you're going to eventually do like, you know. Othello or, you know, Henry the Fifth or, or whatever it is, yeah. or Angels in America or whatever it is, yeah. and, and do some powering monologues and be on stage for three hours. Yeah. Like, that's nothing compared to 30 hours of reading a, a book with breaks. Totally. And yeah. I think the other thing, and this is not just audiobooks, this is all of the voiceover stuff, um, what it has taught me is just to go with my instincts. That the, the power of those instincts mm. is often you could spend hours and hours and hours thinking and dissecting and whatever, but actually often your first instinct mm. is heading in the direction you want to yeah. be going. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's 
made me trust those instincts as a performer and as an actor way more than I used to. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm. Well, I, I want to get into that a bit more, but I want to know what, what was life like in Invercargill? What were you up to? And, and you know, how did you fill your time there? What were you interested in outside of acting? Yeah, yeah. So right from oh, five years old, I started dancing. So I did ballet and jazz and um, contemporary for about 10 years. Uh, my sister did it a couple of years before me, and so I kind of thought, yeah, I'll give that a go. And that was my introduction to mm. stage and performing and, and, and acting, really. Um, so I did that for, for a good portion of my childhood. And then probably later on, once I got into intermediate, I started playing lots of music. I was always uh, playing music. I was mainly a, a percussionist and drummer. Yeah. Um, and then I did that a lot during my teens um, in bands and brass bands and orchestras and all kinds of things um, there. And yeah, it wasn't really until I was in my teens that I started acting properly either. Mm, mm. Um, so that all kind of happened at the same time, really, mm. which made for a busy high school yeah, <laughs> experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and, and so why Wellington? <clears throat> um, well, partly I've got family here, so my grandparents live up here, so I'd, I'd been here a lot and I, I knew the place. Um, secondly, I, I knew that that was where a lot of interesting theatre was done and mm -hmm. that's where I wanted to be and also I just like the city yeah um you know Auckland's fine but I prefer Wellington basically yeah yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. and so what did you come here to do like university wise what were you going to do while you were deciding whether you were going to you know yeah, so, get towards acting a bit more proper yeah so I was studying um English literature and political science yeah Yep, so I finished that at the end of it's last like year. It's like the Victoria University special, I reckon. It was bog standard, BA. Yeah. Anyone that grew up with a like uh, video store fascination or now has like, you know, done their Netflix hours or whatever, that yep. is the, you know, it's just enough culture with a little bit of like, oh, I'm kind of serious about this with the yep. polls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've always been fascinated and probably borderline obsessed with politics. Mm -hmm. Um so that just kind of, I didn't really have a strong drive to go to university necessarily. Um, it was more that I wanted a reason to meet people yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and move somewhere else. Yeah. And so start going again, to university. Start, start fresh. Yeah. Next phase. Yeah. And so I just chose two things that I was interested in. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah, did that for two years or so and, yeah. and, and got it all done. So, yeah. yeah right and um, and then so th how do you for I mean you've got this acting background in terms of mm. like like most people that get uh, that I talk to that are interested in acting they've usually it's come from some place of school productions and mm. you know some sort of teenage but so you've got that under your belt but no no formal no super formal training no no I'm, I've had speech and drama training mm. Mm. Um, uh, through various teachers and things like that that was another thing that I managed to fit into my schedule yeah um, but yeah so I haven't been to drama school yeah. I haven't done 
that stuff. Yeah. Um, which is why I didn't anticipate the acting thing happening as fast as it did or mm. when it did or mm. how it did. Because, you know, my mind and conventional wisdom says that you yeah, should go to, go to drama school. Go to and Toifikari, go to... Yeah, yeah and, and then that'll lead to other mm-hmm. things. So I was... Do your apprenticeship properly. Yeah. Yeah, kind <laughs> yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. I sort of fell into the deep end yeah, yeah, um, yeah. a little. Well, I want to explore the, uh, you know, you you sort of just casually said, well, I had a microphone and so I got some bits together. <laughs> yeah. And and I, I'm, I'm happy you said that then because I wanted to, to, to go back to your childhood first. But let's just explore that a little bit more because, um, I mean, not only do you have a career doing it, but it seems an odd thing for a person to just decide, well, I'll, I'll get into that. So. Yeah, well, I think it was partly because I had a whole bunch of speech and drama training, so it was something that I was kind of... I can use this. (laughs) Yeah, and I had the experience and some of the skills to do that kind of thing. Yeah, I I just don't remember how I found out about it. It's kind of a complicated thing, because I I get asked this often, and I wish I had a better answer. um, and, And certainly once I sort of figured out that it was a thing that was possible. Yeah. You know, I, I tried to make it happen. It's yeah. not like I was just like, oh, well, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. But certainly the getting into it was not deliberate. Yeah. You know, uh, just like getting into professional theatre in Wellington wasn't deliberate either. Yeah, um, yeah. It worked out, but <laughs> I didn't yeah. plan it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what are the kind of... Um, the streams to it, the voice work. There's, there's reading ad copy. Yep. There's voiceovers for you know TV and radio ads. And there's online ads. And as well online now. ads. Yep. There's audio books. Yeah. And what what other things? Oh, there's e-learning. There yep. is documentary stuff. There is. Um, and these are all things you've done. Yeah. You know something of. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I've done only a wee bit of like cartoon and animation mm-hmm. stuff most of that stuff is done mm. on location in yeah, places yeah. like LA and New York yeah and that tends to be the people that are either character voice specialists totally or, or famous professional yeah. actors that they want the personality right like that yeah yeah you know, I'm sure there are some jobbing people that luck into that as well but that's more a yeah. specific thing within voice work absolutely and that's the same with um, video games again yeah, I've done yeah. little bits here and yeah, there yeah, but, yeah. but nothing big um but yeah, those are the those are the main yeah. areas. Lots of company videos, lots of things mm. for um, yeah, training material. Yeah, and, may not be yeah. put on TV, yeah. but but will be distributed to everyone. But definitely, the thing that I spend the most of my time doing is audiobooks. Wow! So Just ha- because the the time yeah. taken to do an audiobook is way higher. And how than have you set else. yourself up to the, do this? You do this from your house. Yeah, I've, I've got, got a home a, studio. I've got a home studio. Yeah. So we're, I've got an office at my flat yeah. that um decked out with yeah. all my equipment and sound treated and all that stuff yeah. um yeah yeah so I, I do it all from there mm. and I, so I, that, that's not entirely true um also do some work through my agent and things yeah in, sure in town, but you but can do it all from there absolutely. and so you've set yourself up as a freelance yeah um sole trader who and now and now your name's out there your work's out there so yeah. people come to you you and you what pride yourself on being able to turn stuff around pretty quickly yeah yeah i mean that's important it is important um particularly because 
particularly at the moment when everything is just like scramble to get mm. the information out mm. and people can't be getting people into studios often because I, I work with clients all around the world and yeah. the UK and the US and, and they just can't be having people in the studio. So, and, and also for the last five, ten years, voiceover generally has been trending more and more in this direction. Yeah. So not in person because people have these great home setups and the costs are way lower yeah. for people on the other end. Um, so I would say, I think I was reading that something like 80% of voiceovers that traditionally would have been done mm. in-house are now done remotely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And um, have you, I mean, is it, all, is it all fairly anonymous? Are you fairly anonymous within it or have you been recognised for your voice in places? Um... No, luckily I have. You well, can kind of slip by. Yeah, because I always use different voices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm often working in accents, and even when I do a New Zealand accent, and this is the same on stage and screen as well, mm. um, I can't use my voice. It's too... Right. It's not New Zealand enough. Yeah. Because it is a New Zealand accent, so I don't really get it. But apparently it it's not New Zealand enough. Quite the twang. So you no. put on a New Zealand accent yep, for Yeah, I sure your, do. How do you slip into that? What's that? Oh, I just make my um, my sort of the the vowels a bit bigger, and yeah. I don't hit the consonants quite as hard, so I sound normal mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a way that apparently I don't normally. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, so it's so funny. So you basically lose the things you learnt in speech and drama, basically. Though any of that sort of affectation <laughs> yeah. is what you're kind of learning to trim. I suppose, although. I think that training yeah. means that I can, I can slip into other voice. Like I, and this happens almost unconsciously, but I don't have no role that I do has the same voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I think is it's helpful for me because it allows me to find where they're sitting as a character and and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. But um. Yeah, because I can't use my own yeah, yeah, natural yeah. speaking voice. Yeah. Although, although, when we do something like Shakespeare in New Zealand, you can a wee bit. Yeah. Um, but other than that, you've got to be faking it. <laughs> so I guess it's helpful to to think of each voice task as a as a character that you build. Mm. So even if it's a couple of lines of ad copy yeah. or dialogue or whatever you want to call it, a couple of lines, it's it's a a unique voice, basically, a unique character. Yeah, and you've also... Because obviously when you're performing on stage, how you say something is so... Um, sort of dependent on the other actor and the other person you're speaking to. Yeah. And that's the same in voiceover. You've got to be thinking, okay, yes, I'm in my room on my own talking into a microphone, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. But I need to be thinking, who is on the other end of this? Who am I talking to? Yeah, who am to? I talking to? Yeah, 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 and, yeah. and so it's the same principle really mm. um yeah that the audience is always there in some capacity mm, mm, yeah wow and what about um i mean well yeah so how do you how do you go about learning i mean i've listened to your voice samples and and your work you do english accents american australian and new zealand mm -hmm. And any other ones? I mean, are there one-off ones? That, but you work regularly in all of those. Yeah, those are the ones that I work regularly in. That's what you pitch are, yourself as being able to do. Absolutely. And those are the ones that are the most marketable too. Yeah, yeah. They're the ones with the most work. Yeah. Um, 
I have done other accents. Yeah, yeah. So you will learn them. Like, totally. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm doing an audiobook at the moment that um, has about fifteen different accents in it, and some of them wow. I'm not great at, and yeah. so I have. And to, you're doing all of them. Like, yeah, you're, yeah, You're the sole reader. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, and it's. I think, if you're a New Zealander, and you're going to be an actor. There's no option but yeah. to be able to do accents. Yeah, yeah. There's not enough work. And even here, we <clears throat> we put on plays that are yes. set in other countries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the decision is made to honour the character and actually have it in that yep. accent. Um, and so you just don't have a choice but to get good at it, yeah. basically. And I... I think I'm lucky because of that speech training that I'm able to do it, but also I had a reasonably good ear for it yeah. to begin with. I think that training just meant I actually knew how to get did you my Did you mimic accents a bit as a kid and stuff? Like, if you told, yeah, have. yeah, telling yeah. jokes and stories or hearing things like relaying something you saw on TV. Yeah, I think I must have. Yeah. Um, and, and we're so um, surrounded by all of those accents yeah. anyway, in a way that if you live in America, perhaps you're not. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah, you're yeah. mainly surrounded by American accents in culture and that kind of thing. And occasionally you'll hear someone else. But here we hear everything all the time. Well, there are um, American accents that are foreign to other Americans. Oh, absolutely. One hundred, Right. Yeah. And you go to America and they... Now I think they place the New Zealand accent a lot quicker because yeah. we've had maybe some cultural impact there mm. uh, compared to a few you know a few years earlier but you would have I mean it, and it had even happened to me you you get asked what part of America you're from oh, because yeah. they can't pick the accent yeah or or they think you're Canadian or something you know yeah yeah absolutely I was um when I was I was a bit during my gap year I lived in London for a while and um I <laughs> Started getting so sick of being asked if I was from Australia. Yeah, yeah. And then sometime, one time I got asked by a Brit if I was from Wales. Not because of my name. Didn't know my name. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He, he just clearly didn't place the accent and yeah. went, oh, where are you from? Yeah. But I got so sick of that happening in like supermarkets and things that I just started using a fake accent. <laughs> I just thought, I cannot I present as Australian, yeah. so I'm going yeah. to fully go there. No, I, I started talking in a British oh, accent. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, I yeah. I was like, well, then no one will question me. So that was good voice training. That was yeah. good good work, yeah. <laughs> work ex. Yeah, yeah, method acting, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, what's the, what's the kind of... Um, Procedure and training or discipline around doing an audiobook. Like, how does that work? Like, how much of it, you know, how privy to it are you before? Are you reading it for the first? Obviously, you can practice before you record, but yeah. do you read the whole book? Do you do you feel you need to? Um, or do you read it in bits as it's happening? I think it depends yeah, on the text. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I haven't had the chance to talk to the author, uh, I'll probably go more I'll go deeper into the text just because I don't want to get to page 178 and find out that a character is yeah. German when I thought they were yes. you know American <laughs> like that's yeah yeah you know so that kind of thing I big, will do big sort of throat clear moment <laughs> yeah big kind of oh no that 20 hours was a waste of time um yeah so I, I always go through the script but I'm yeah. not going to be reading it in depth because yeah. 
you know, that you just can't. It takes far too yeah, long. Yeah, yeah, particularly yeah. if you're doing an audiobook that might be sixteen mm. to twenty hours. Mm. You just don't have the time to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I basically hit record, do a chapter, um, I indicate to myself if I've made a mistake, go through, get them out, and then it gets sent off to an editor yeah. and producer, and they um, deal with it on the other end. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Because, um, I mean, I, I'm, I've got quite into audiobooks the last couple of years, but I'm a real, I can't handle an audiobook unless it's, I have to have it read by the author. Oh, yeah. Um, because because I'm a part-time uh, I, and you know and I think because I also I think because I mostly read listen to audiobooks that are non-fiction yeah I think it would be different if I got into the fictional world with audiobooks and I know there are some that have character like several characters and yeah yeah I think particularly if it's an autobiography yeah, or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah. or a memoir it's like, yeah it's just weird having someone else read it there's something yeah totally I listen to one of my lockdown um audiobooks I loved was Tori Amos's memoir which mm. I which I was reading mm. and then I was listening to the audiobook as well at the same time and you know she had like at the beginnings and ends of chapters she would have song lyrics mm. that she would recite like poetry and yeah. you know I think it was a pretty obvious thing that only she could get the emotional touch points she was after by doing that reading I, which is not to denigrate actors who are amazing at what they do but you know what yeah, I mean? This is, the, this is, this is day, work from personal experience. Totally. This You're is, never going to be able to yeah. understand yes. what they're talking about because of the writing in their voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I've never done a memoir or yeah, a biography. Yeah. If it's non-fiction, it's always like... Academic or... Yeah, or of, yeah. more general in terms of it's... Mm-hmm. It's not about the person yeah. that's written it. Yeah. I would say that uh, it's quite. It can be quite painful hearing um, fiction authors reading their own work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, particularly if it's dialogue heavy. Yes. Because they, their skills are not to. Oh, totally. I've differentiate done, between characters. I've done and, a little bit of radio production, and 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 um, you know, it's always a around the office. It's always like a when someone pitches that an author comes in for an interview, because it's like, you don't know how it's going to go. Yeah. And again, that's some authors are amazing at not just pimping their work, but just in general speaking, but yeah. some absolutely fucking dread it. Yeah. They just dread it. And they know they're not good. You know, they're not know yeah. that it's not for them. And you can't have dead air. Oh no. You know, no. And also, it's 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 about the the shaping of the story as well. Yeah. And their skill is to shape the story on the page. Yes. And an actor's skill is to give voice to it. Yeah. To take it to, somewhere to yeah, deliver yeah. it and yeah. to give another layer of emotional impact to mm. it that um that actually requires a different skill set yeah, entirely yeah. to on the page. Yeah. 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 So do you? I mean, you know, you talk to actors about like who their favourite actors are and stuff, mm. and or who they watch and what they learn from other people. Yeah, is that the same with voice actors? Do you have like heroes and or do, or not even that? Like, do you critique 
other people's, you know? Do you um, study other people's things and you don't have to name names? No. Um, I'm not get, trying to get you to shit on anyone. I'm just interested in, <laughs> I'm interested in the We're process. Into dangerous territory. Well, I'm interested in the process. Like, can you listen to an audiobook that isn't just you listening back to yourself to make sure that you've made a mistake? And, and if you do, can you either A, do it just for pleasure, or mm. B, is it work? Are you analysing it? At this point, I find it difficult to listen to fiction audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Because I I don't know just because I I spend so much of my day in some fictional world yes. that actually when I sit down to relax I'd quite like to be in the real world for a minute <laughs> yeah um yeah and I find that often as well when I'm doing plays as well I don't really want to go and watch yeah yeah a film that is you yeah, know, yeah 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 you know, I, I want to yeah, yeah, yeah engage in real life yeah, for, to an sure. extent um, but I, I don't find it difficult listening I mean I find it difficult listening to myself so you um, do yeah, yeah still it. yeah yeah, yeah it's funny yeah. I don't like listening to myself I don't like watching myself you get used to it though like you accept that it's a, like like I imagine like so I I, I listen back to these mm. podcasts and so I've got very used to my own voice with it in a way where I don't cringe and I don't even cringe when I hear myself pronounce a word a particular way or anything it's just, it's just but yeah it's not like I love it <laughs> I'm f- I'm fine yeah until I have no control over it anymore yeah right, right? so right. I'm fine to edit it yeah I'm okay. fine to listen back to it when I'm still tweaking it yeah same um, on film I'm, I'm fine watching the monitor after a take to see what needs to change mm. it's when it's done. Hand it over. And it can't be changed again. And then it comes that out. That the <laughs> internal critic starts going. Right. But yep. that's good. Might not feel good, but don't yeah. you think that's good? Because that means you give a shit. Like, oh, yeah. And no, and that's really all that is... Like, yes, yeah. you, yes, you can drive yourself crazy with that and paralyse yourself with it, I suppose, in some sense. But ultimately, it's coming from a good place of... Fuck, I hope that was good. Yeah, and, and, wanting, to, that? and wanting to be better at it, and too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I think, so that's why I'm quite limited in what I <laughs> yeah. listen or watch that yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. in. Yes. You know, I might see or listen to a little bit of it and then move on because otherwise the experience will just be me shitting on myself mm-hmm. for, oh, why did I deliver that like that? Mm. Or, you know, and... That's just no fun for anyone. <laughs> what about you shitting on other people? Do you listen to... I'm not, again, I'm not expecting you to do it, but do you... Do you? I'm imagining this... What was that? There's a, quite a funny film called Inner World. It's about voice. It's about a guy... It's a fictional film about a guy who does movie trailers. Oh, right. You know, and um, and it's quite, it's quite a funny film. But, uh, you know, imagine sort of like a, a person listening to ad copy and audiobook, whoever, voice work, and going... I'd have done it differently than that, mate. You know, you got that wrong. <laughs> yeah. Only occasionally. It's when clearly the person doing it has has never done it before, hasn't been trained. And I yeah. honestly, I don't blame them for that. I blame yeah, whoever yeah. Yeah. Um, them. booked them or whoever didn't say, hey, maybe yeah. someone else should be reading this. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't get to. Yeah, yeah focused on it it's more like oh that's a shame yeah yeah yeah. you know yeah totally yeah yeah no and no, i mean i think that's healthy i mean i've i've 
done that with you know I read music reviews whatever journalism and you know when someone has missed the point mm. on on such a profound level yeah you think that's just a bit of a wasted opportunity well, you know it isn't so much oh they should have got me it's like they just totally. should it's more like they shouldn't have used that person yeah yeah but it's hard especially in a small country right to not to not have that come across like a sour grapes totally yeah and yeah, it's it's more that you, because I I like, I like, theatre and 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 the performing arts. I like watching it. Yeah. I like listening to it. Yeah. And so, the feeling is more. Oh, that I I I can see the potential there, and I, I wish that person had gotten more support, or had been had had that facilitated in a better way. Yeah. Rather than oh shit, I should have done that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 Totally. So how did the how did how did the acting build up in and around this? Yeah, so I mean I've been acting yeah forever. Yeah. Um and it took me until probably my last year of high school to convince myself that I should give it a go. <laughs> I I I think I probably always knew that I was going to try to become an actor. Yeah. But it took until that time where I felt like I had enough. Because I grew up in Invercargill and I, I had lots of fantastic opportunities there, particularly with acting. Because it's sort of that perfect size where there are opportunities, but it's not insanely competitive, right? Yeah. So I was able to access a whole bunch of stuff. But I was really aware that I was a medium-sized fish in a really small pond. Yeah, yeah. And had... And was quite realistic with myself that in a bigger environment, it's entirely possible that I will not have a chance. So it wasn't until I was in my last year of high school and I started having some um, sort of indications that actually I can do this on a level that is all right. And so I may as well give it a go. And I guess I didn't properly start until started last year yeah um so i'd been in wellington for about a year and when i moved to wellington weirdly i said to myself you know one thing i'd like to do before i leave before i move somewhere else or go overseas or whatever i do is i'd like to do a show at circuit yeah yeah and for me that was four or five years down the track and it ended up happening a year in. And that was Burn Her, was it? It was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Which must have been um, amazing for you as a fan of politics. <laughs> yeah. To I, be involved I in mean, a very overtly, very clever, timely... And they couldn't have cast a person who was closer to the part right. that I played, because I played... Yes. He was 18, I think. Yeah, yeah. An 18-year-old political science student yes, yes. at Victoria University. Yeah, which you <laughs> so, had very recently been. Which I was at you the were. time. Yeah, I yeah, only yeah. finished my degree at the end of last year and yeah, I did right, that show in the middle right. of last year. Um, so I was living that life yeah. um, while I was doing the play, which was bizarre and also useful because it meant that I had yeah. some insight into yeah. that stuff and, and politics that... Uh, that not everyone did have, so that was useful, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Now that was the 
the second play I'd seen you in, mm. and just before that, you were in a play called The Aliens. I was. And that was, um, well, that was an amazing play. Thank you. And your performance was incredible, Bill. Oh, thanks. But so were the other two people, of oh, course. Yeah. And when I when I say but, I just I didn't want to make it about you. No. Because there are only three people in the play, and it's yeah. it's fairly even, like yeah. fairly much you're all... Apart from Johnny, who... Yeah, oh, true. Yeah, spoiler yeah, sorry. Alert. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler. We can spoil it. <laughs> we can. It's in the past. It last year. Yeah, that's right. But, um, but he's still a significant oh, part. But he, that's presence. right. He's only in the first half, but yeah. his presence is felt. That's right. So so I don't know what the distribution of lines is, but probably he had more lines when he was on stage yeah, than, he did. Than, the other, than you and the other guy, right, Jack? So, yeah, Jack. So it's a pretty even deal, is what I'm saying. Yeah. But your performance is, I think, the... Your character that you played in your performance is the is sort of the emotional hinge of the play, really, right? Yeah, he's the character that um, is very much the audience yes. access point. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so the concept of the play for people who didn't see it is basically that there are these two thirty-somethings guys who hang out behind a cafe. They're kind of educated bums. Exactly. Yeah. And my character, Evan, who um, is working in the cafe for the summer, he's a high school kid, uh, sort of befriends them and tries to find a place of belonging with them. Yeah. And then that becomes really complicated and painful. Mm. Um, and yeah, the going back to what you were saying about... Um, sort of that even distribution and mm. um, that kind of thing it's the play more than anything else I've worked on that we all had to be in sync mm. to quite a high degree partly because of the, the emotional element of the show but also the technical element of the show mm. it's an Annie Baker play and the way that Annie Baker writes is ultra naturalistic yeah so it's trying to be as real as possible, but every um, every pause, everything yes. is written. Yes. And the pauses were timed, so there was notes in it saying these are three seconds, these are five, you know, yeah, all the way yeah. through. So we, in order to keep a flow, in order to give meaning to any of those really prescriptive parts of the play, we just had to be so in sync particularly Jack and I because in mm. the second half it's, just, it's only just, us just, yeah. it's only us having to hope it doesn't fall apart yeah yeah I mean I know Johnny pretty well <clears throat> yeah. like, I've known him for a long time I don't know Jack at all and but I um, and I've chatted with Cassandra since yeah. uh, who directed it it was a phenomenal I mean I'm, I know a bit of Annie Baker's work too so I've read yeah. I know exactly what you mean I've read some of her scripts yeah. and I've, I've listened to interviews with her and followed her work because she's just an incredible just writer phenomenal you know an absolute yeah. phenomenon what she's doing yeah and um, and I but I was really profoundly moved by that play and I thought by the aliens because when it started I you're exactly right about your character being this sort of access point because when it started, I actually identified hugely with both the other two characters. Mm. I've sort of lived through my version of that yeah. a tiny bit. Um, but it was nice to be able to 
ditch them. <laughs> yeah. And move into, you know, and also sympathizing, caring about your character. And worrying. also to see how he yes. sees those characters. Yes. Because I think we all know uh, Jasper and, and that. I think we yeah. all know people yeah. like that. Yeah. And so. Or have, or have aspects of them. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, 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 and yeah. so seeing them from a different. From a, from a different perspective and also a perspective of wanting their approval, which is not mm. often how we approach those kind of interactions. Yeah. You know, we might hang out with them, but but he even really needed them. He didn't yeah. have any friends. He didn't feel seen anywhere. And so, which of course makes the second half when um, one of the characters isn't there yeah. even more heartbreaking because he needs it so much. That's right, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it... it it's one of those plays that clearly people got lost in to a certain extent. I've never done a play where so ma- which doesn't make sense to me, where so many people spoke to the actors during it. Right. Several, several times, as if they were watching TV and we weren't there. Like calling out you oh, yeah. during it. Yeah. Calling out or quite loudly talking to the person beside yes, them. about, yeah, yeah. And which seems counterintuitive <laughs> because it's such a quiet show. Yes. And it's so intimate. Yeah. And you're so close to the actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you, you would have thought that that would mean people are less likely. Yeah. But I wonder if people, um, because of that intimacy, felt more comfortable to do that kind of... Mm. I, I don't know why, but it was, it was, it was a so, really interesting yeah. experience. I mean, it really felt like eavesdropping, mm. but, which I guess a lot of theatre feels like by its design, but... But that felt like eavesdropping on a level, yeah, it was so natural, naturalistic, yeah. that it was very hard to, yeah, it was, it was very hard to stop thinking about that play. And some, you know, I, I catch myself thinking about that a lot. I, I will watch, Great. read or watch things that are seemingly unrelated and, mm. and it brings, in the best way with any art thing, art project of any format is, when you're reminded of it by something else, yeah. just because and of the power of another performance or a particular style of writing or whatever it and is. And it's so down to that writing. I remember talking mm. to one of my friends who's also an, an actor um, who came into the play thinking, why do I need to see a play about three straight yeah. white guys in yeah. the US? Like, what yeah, is, yeah. What, what's there for me? Yeah. And came out of it going... Oh, there was a lot there for me. Yes. Because this is actually a woman's perspective on three straight white guys, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and and provides a way different insight than if it was another guy writing it. Yeah. Um, and also, Annie Baker talked quite a bit about how Evan, the character I played, was sort of a a vessel for her. She was sort of like that. Yeah. Right. Um. In her teenage years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, so hearing that was really great because it, because that was definitely something I thought about when we were coming into it. I thought, well, it is another play with three straight white guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, The world doesn't need this, but you think, but actually, yeah, no, I felt the same thing watching it. I was like, this is a kind of um, take on, well, not a take on toxic masculinity. It's sort of, sort of, part exp- explains it but it was sort of you know it goes in 
from a different angle. For me, it really speaks about a lot of men's inability to engage emotionally where it counts. Yeah. To actually be honest about how they feel or own their own shit. And for me, that's what that play was in part examining. And there's a whole bunch of things that that play, I think, talks about, but that's definitely one of the major takeaways I had from working on it. Yeah, Um, yeah. That none of the characters can connect with each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they want to so desperately, but there is something about them or their expectations of what they should be doing that they just can't until it's too late. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That um that uh, there's a a fronting aspect to mm. masculine to masculinity. Yeah. And uh that friendships, although we may think they are, aren't always their foundation is not always as strong as we would like them to be. Yeah. They are because we don't allow ourselves to um, that's the royal we there, but yes, yeah. um because we don't allow ourselves to be open emotionally in those situations. And that's not necessarily about, you know, gushing and telling your whole life story. But if you can't say what you want from someone, yeah. you're not going to get it. Yeah. And and that that was a lot... For all of the characters, I think they all experienced that to a degree. Yeah. yeah. No, it was, it was deep. And I thought... Because um, she's got a play called The Flick. Yes. Which I've only read the script... Yeah, that, oh, that was that they, opened in Dunedin the same that's night. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That we opened, and uh, and these were the first two Annie Baker plays in New Zealand, right? And they, they beat us by about half an hour, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bastards. So you had, but that <laughs> was cool Lara because, yeah. <laughs> but it was like, yeah. So are we going to have more of her work here? Was basically what I thought. You know? I hope so. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, it felt a bit like to me. I mean, she's a completely different style of writer. Um, she's coming at it. Couldn't come at it more differently, I think, at her subjects. But maybe a decade ago or so, there was a real fad of Neil Labute plays being mm. put on, and I sort of thought it'd be great if that happened with that with Annie Baker if we yeah. go. And because they are both one thing that they are, are, are similar at, I think, is their plays are their work is profoundly American. Yeah. But it translates, it always yeah. translates because we know those microaggressions, we know those, you know. There is an interesting thing with that, though, where for some reason, and I don't know if it happens in other countries, it probably does, but there's an interesting thing where people feel the need to point out that it could have been set in New Zealand. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah. That it, you know, oh, well, why why was it, why are we having an American play? We could yeah. set it in New Zealand. Well, that's fair. We should have lots of New Zealand work, but... I don't think we should cut ourselves off from the amazing work that happens all around the world. Yeah. And how do, how do we get better with... How, how does New Zealand theatre improve and change if there's no... If we're not engaging with some of that stuff from overseas as well? Yeah, totally. Um, and also, that kind of play... It's just like a, some hyper New Zealand plays. You yeah. know? Um, either, even Burn Her, which I did last year... That couldn't be anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it couldn't be in Australia. It yeah, you could be do in... a version of it or whatever. You could try, but it, you wouldn't... You wouldn't get that you same... You wouldn't get the essence of it like that. And the same truth to it. Um, 
the way that Annie Baker wrote that play is for a very specific kind of person and yeah. a very specific voice and accent as well. So yes. the the phrasing and everything is written in a way that that it and the references require a yeah. certain sound and a yeah. certain feeling that we don't we can't do in yeah. our accent. You could also even the music that kind of the music that kind of you could feel the music that informed that play and that it evoked. Yep. You know those. Well, and for God's sake, it's yeah. set on the Fourth of July. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like what? We're gonna set it on Guy Fawkes nights. Yeah, what yeah, we yeah, yeah. Why should we do? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, but you know, like you could. I mean, I know some of it was played in the in the interval and stuff, but mm. you, you 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 mean that play was like a mountain goat song, you know? Yeah. Or, or you know. Yeah. Something like that, wasn't it? Like yeah. it was just, or like a Mountain Goats album. Mm. You know, it was it was like the theatre equivalent of that. Yeah. And and I thought that was quite noticeable. You you felt that sitting in the audience. That mm. it, cool. It was cool. Yeah. So that must have been a pretty cool thing to work on. Yeah, it was hard work. Yeah. Um, just because it was so technically demanding yes. of us. Yeah. Um, and intense. Yeah. Yeah. It was intense. Um, also, I was. <laughs> Rehearsing burn her during the day and doing the. I was just thinking night. that I was just going to say, were you doing? Were you doing that sort of double duty? Rub your head, yeah. pat your tummy thing that actors sometimes have to. That I have talked to a few actors about, and 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 I cannot fathom how one set of words stays. You know, it's, it's a bit like having yeah. too many meals. You know, one set of words just gets piled in on top of the other. Pretty much. Um. Uh, yeah. So for the first two weeks of that rehearsal period, I was doing that show. Um. So I was yeah. uh, dealing with sexual assault during the day and at night the death of a friend. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I had a great time. <laughs> well, and you have, um, and I mean, you have um, to do a lot of, you had to do a lot of, how am I going to phrase this? Because I'm not, I'm not an actor. No, no, I'm just trying to think of how, how you would ex you had a lot of physical requirements of you in both plays in that phys uh, emotional, mm. physical moments. I mean, you, you have a crying scene in, in uh, The Aliens mm. that is um, like it could fuck up the play if you couldn't do that properly. Yeah. You know, like if that wasn't done the way you did it, again, timing, everything. Yeah. That's... Yeah, and, and that's the... That that was the joy of of using Annie Baker's words because it 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 didn't take work yeah, to right. get to that place because obviously we'd the, done we'd the done the done. work yeah 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 we'd yeah. done the work to understand the characters yes. how they interact all of that stuff so that when we were actually doing it it felt like we could just sit in it or at least yeah. for me it did which was so vital in that play because so much of it needs to just be people being present with each other. Mm. Um, so if you're trying to think of a line or trying to think of your motivation, that's gone. Yeah. And the ball's dropped. So just being able to sit with it and allow the words to do what they're doing got me to that point every single night. Yeah. Um, I, I remember reading the script for the first time and getting to that scene where he has this phone call monologue thing and, and starts crying burst into tears immediately as I was reading it. Yeah, yeah. I just, it was just, the pain was palpable. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a real... that's the beauty real, of the writing. real play of visceral hits there, yeah, isn't it? it is. And I think Burn Her was in a way too, actually, different. Yeah. 
because it's a bit more, um, I don't know, it's a bit more sort of, you know, fast oh. and zingy and, yeah. and, and, um, apart from my part. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> part again, just, you're, well, that's what I say. You're, I just you're, got to come in and rain on everyone's parade. Yeah. But there's an, <laughs> a, there was a, 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 a very, um, you had to very carefully measure your emotional outpourings mm. in that play. Mm. You're one of, um, one of the closest things to a likable character in that play. Really, yeah. you know, like it's a, yeah. it's it's a play of shit, you know, like horrible shitty people. Yeah, he's the only character. He's the only who one with a sort leave. of redeeming. Yeah, you know, that's that's just a. a and he's yeah. the one that's done the most dirty. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. He's the one that gets the most fucked up at the end. Yes, <laughs> but it's like you can you can sympathise because you can go, yeah. I could see how this had happened. This is a young, earnest, yeah, you know, invested person who didn't realise yeah. their mistake, whereas. You know, and um, super naive. Jean's wonderful character. Yeah, the journalist is just you know. I mean, fuck that plays so well. Thinking back to that now and watching yeah. the COVID press conferences, you know. I know. <laughs> yeah, they. Sam, must be some kind of, psychic. Yeah. I don't know because he wrote this yes. play in I think 2015, 2016. Mm. Um. Oh, and maybe twenty no, because it was before. Yeah, it was, it was early. before. It was that. before Jacinda was even leader. Yeah, that's right. And before the Me Too stuff had happened, yeah. I think it changed a wee bit after that. Yeah. Um, but he was dealing with all of those concepts. Yes. Before that. Yeah. And and it just became even more timely when it yeah. was put on. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it felt like a very of the moment play but yeah. it actually been you know which, years in, in development and, and yeah which I guess says more about our society because we're clearly always yes. dealing with that shit yeah that's right so yeah, it's kind yeah. of always timely yeah yeah. Um, yeah but that was a phenomenal experience yeah that show just great people that I was working with yeah um, and yeah just getting to do something on a different scale than I'd done before was mm. was exciting. And as you say, like really when you're interested in acting and living in Wellington, circus kind of especially stage acting, which you know, yeah. that that that's a, a major uh, mountain to climb. Like, yeah, that's it a, is. That's Well and it's really hard to get into too. Yeah, yeah. You know, um I only got into it by chance really because I did a I'd only been in Wellington a couple of months and I did a, a screen acting workshop with Kathy McRae who mm. directed Burn mm. Her um, and you know just did that thought it would be good and it was and I learned a lot and then afterwards she said oh there's a play at Circa next year there's a character about your age would you be interested in auditioning for it and of course I said yes mm. but it was just a right place right time yeah, yeah. thing yeah, you know yeah um, yeah and, and luckily <laughs> She took the chance and, and gave me the job. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so, what's next for you? So you've got this, we should talk about the Red Scare thing. Yeah. So you're teaming up with Red Scare again. Yeah. Which is the team that did the Aliens. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, so this is a five-part audio drama that is going to be broadcast on Radioactive, I believe. Yeah. Um, on Saturday, the first one is, and then yeah. the following day, it'll be out as a podcast feed. Yeah, uh, it's called Apocalypse Songs, and the concept. It's written by um, Cassandra Teese, who um, 
is the artistic director of Red Scare yeah. and also directed The Aliens last year yeah. and uh, directed by James Kane. And the concept is a music journalist who has a weekly um, radio show is each week she discovers a new kind of obscure New Zealand artist and this particular artist has kind of a cult following and seems to have vaguely predicted something in the future mm. and she just gets really interested in it in the first episode and then in the second episode my character Josh Marshall who is Clara who is the musician's um, great nephew I think uh, he gets in contact with her and says hey I've got some information about her I don't know if you want to know about it and it just gets more complicated from there <laughs> the plot thickens Maybe mm. he's not being quite honest about mm. what he wants. And this is um, obviously cool for you to do because this is voice work. This is oh, a, yeah. a, a, an old-fashioned... Essentially, this is an old-fashioned radio play. Pretty but much. But it's a brand-new version of it. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's a cool concept that it's yeah going to come out as a weekly series of episodes and then you can either devour them at the time or... Or binge them binge, later on. Binge them at the end of the run when you can have the podcast... Yeah. Walk around town and listen to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's a it's just an interesting script. It's yeah. it's I think meaningful but also fun. Yeah. You know, just like the best uh narrative podcasts are, whether it be yeah, a, yeah, yeah. A, a um serial or or yes. um what was that? Uh you know the the this American Life type oh, stuff. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That it it's under the guise yeah, of yeah. being investigative journalism, except S- in our S-town. yeah, S-town. that's the one that's, I'm looking that's for. That's what you're thinking of. Um, but in our in yeah. our version, yeah, it's all made up. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, the kind of fictional narrative group read podcast has become a big thing. It too. has. Like as I say, it's it's like people harnessed the new medium and went let's go back to making old fashioned radio dramas yeah. and, and comedies but there was a good one one of the first of its kind that I heard was uh, an English one called Wooden Overcoats which mm-hmm. was an um, um, undertaker and um, that was quite funny mm. yeah yeah it was quite cool like a six parter or whatever um, so that's was that a project do you know was that a project born out of lockdown or is it just um, good timing that it <laughs> Well, it was a bit of both. Yeah. So I know it was written in 2018. Right. So the, the script was done. Um, but And then it was dusted off. and Yeah, yeah I yeah. think it was that uh, in lockdown there was a, a real awareness that, that we needed to find new ways of, of making art and particularly, yeah. particularly live performance art. Yeah, yeah. That for the time being at least we needed to find new ways of doing that and a radio play was perfect because... It was designed so that if we stayed in level four for longer, or even level three, um, we'd be able to record remotely. Yeah. Now, we, we started recording when we were in level two, so we were able to do that Actually in person. Together, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but... But it could have been, but the, yes, the contingency You know, for all was, we knew... That's right, yeah. the contingency was well-placed, well yeah. set up. And, and, and what sort of... What was the work impact for you with regards to what you do with lockdown? Um, Were you able to still do a bit of stuff, or did the work disappear? So all my theatre work disappeared. Yeah, of course. I had three shows booked for this year. Um, I'd already done a show, but yeah. but three at the Tuat Circuit and one at Bats 
gone. They were yeah. gone. Yeah. The hope is that they're getting yeah. reprogrammed. Yeah. In fact, yeah, we're 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 hoping that it yeah. will. We yeah. really want it to, particularly um, a play that would have only closed maybe two weeks ago, um, which is here H I R by by Taylor Mac, which is a fantastic play, um, and we were about to go into rehearsal for it. We had done the photo shoot. The yeah, cast right. was ready. The set was getting designed like the whole thing was happening yeah, and then yeah. we had to abort yeah so hopefully that'll get another life next year yeah but um yeah so so theater wise it emptied yes. out yeah but i that's why i'm so lucky having the yes. what i say is my survival job <laughs> your also. side hustle that's yeah. actually your job yep. right? yeah that's your gig um because i can still be acting and yeah. still be telling stories and uh, can't survive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were able to just lock yourself away and yeah, yeah. Deliver, well, because deliver I, some stuff. I yeah. work from home anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so but I mean, shut the studio door and just deliver yeah. deliver some goods. Yeah, and something that I was talking about with my friend Jean, um, who's also a, an actress and artist, uh, we were wondering if actually performing artists are probably better equipped to deal with this kind of period in time than <laughs> yeah. a hell of a lot of other people. Yeah. Because, and it probably says more about the <laughs> mentalness of our industry, but yeah. we're used to not knowing what's happening in three yeah, months. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're totally. used to being unsure yes, yes. and having no job security yes. and having to store money for a rainy day. Yeah. So. And, and, of, and of having the thing that you thought was going to work out, like even like... I know it doesn't completely cancel shows, but even things like everyone believes in the show, and then it and then it happens, and it just gets an absolute critical drop, yeah, no and, and, and there's low box yep. office turnout. Yep. that's that's a death in a way, and that happens, and you'd have to learn to deal with that. Yeah, yeah, and so it's it's kind of it was already built in in our mentality <laughs> yeah, yeah, in yeah. a way that everyone was having to, everyone else was having to come to terms with it. Yes. But we were like. Oh, we're not leaving our houses for two months. And sure. also the, you know, yeah, and also the kind of like, um, you know, grand. We want to have this. Well, no, the budget doesn't extend to that. So yep. you go and, you know, make a fence out of cardboard boxes yourself and paint yep. it. Or, you know, whatever it is. Oh, okay, we'll do that. That 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 sort of adaptability of like, oh, we'll make we'll make the most out of this. Yeah. We'll make this look good. Yeah, and it probably says more about. <laughs> Yeah, that maybe those things shouldn't happen in our industry yeah, as much yeah, as they yeah, do. Yeah. But because they do, something yes. like this was possibly a wee bit more manageable than it could have been. Yeah, and I guess being forced into a situation where you have to sit around and read and write and watch things and listen to yeah. things ain't, ain't so bad for a, um, you know, a creative type as no. well, right? Like... Most of the people I know and talk to were kind of like, I miss lockdown. <laughs> you know, like, if, I, if I'm on it, and, and, I, and I certainly do, because the only thing that really changed for me is is no school pickups and drop-offs. You well, know? Like, for, my life was pretty similar. For me, it's, obviously it would be different if, I, if the theatre stuff was happening yes. this year, but um, in terms of what my life looks like during lockdown and what it looks like now, apart from going and seeing my friends yeah, and yeah. doing that kind of stuff, my work's the same yeah because I work at home or I'm whatever I'm I'm, I'm zooming with someone or something yeah, yeah, like that yeah 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 now have, have you had to have a think about 
um, ethical sorts of parameters for the voice work that you do? Have you been asked, are there things that you will turn down or you've been asked to, yeah. you know? Yeah, there are things that I will and have turned yeah, down. Yeah, politically or, you know, whatever it is, what, or, you know. Yes. Yeah. So politically, definitely. Um, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to lend my voice to something that is antithetical to my beliefs. Yeah. That's just not going to happen. Um, also, uh, one thing that's tricky in voiceover that I have just had a blanket rule from day one was I'm not going to play or voice anything that is supposed to be someone of colour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because so this because is no coming one, up a lot now. Yeah. No one, no one can see me. Yeah, yeah. So conceivably, I could do it. Yeah. But I'm not going to. It's a bit different if it's an audiobook and there's one character of mm. colour. It's kind of unavoidable because you've got yes. one narrator for the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, yeah. But if I, but sometimes you know, um, auditions will come through and it'll say uh, African American, whatever, and and male for TV spot, and mm. I just won't audition because. And I have been offered jobs in the past that I didn't audition for that it was mentioned that the character was of colour and I said no. Um, because there's plenty of there's plenty yeah. of work for white people. Why would I <laughs> yeah, yeah. why would I go and take so, work from people who aren't? So I mean you've sort of answered there, but I was gonna say, like, how did you arrive at that? Like you know, it's it's the correct it's mm. the correct call. But I could see how a young person wanting to make a name and wanting to make money and knowing mm. that, well, technically no one's going to see me, mm. could easily decide, um, oh, this will be okay. But you've had this rule. How did, you know, how do you remember sort of it was arriving never, at that? It was never even a consideration yeah, for right. me. Yeah. I, I remember in high school, um, and one of my final years the one of the teachers who ran the school production said oh next year we want to do the king and i and i said oh okay well that's great you guys can do the king and i but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do yeah. that because all of the male characters in that have to be tight yeah and i wasn't going to go and put on yellow face yeah yeah for a school production that's yeah. just insane mm. so yeah, I said I wouldn't do it. It's because this is a real timely yeah. issue, right? So was it, it was only last week that Jenny Slate fired Jenny herself Slate. from Big Mouth. And that no, did, it does Cleveland. Cleveland. Well, that, I, I, if I've got it and right... Kristen I, Bell. Yeah, if I've got it right, I think it was Jenny Slate's yeah. decision that seems to have set it all off. Yeah, yeah. And then, so yeah, then the guy who played Cleveland on Family Guy and Cleveland Show has step down and yep. and then the Simpsons who obviously in a way kind of kickstarted some of this controversy with the yeah. Apu character because about a year ago Hank Azaria said yeah. that he wasn't going to do it anymore yeah well there was there's been a I mean I haven't followed I've, I'm very interested in that but I still haven't seen the documentary that was made no was, neither have I I want to catch that but um, I've listened to a really interesting interview with the filmmaker about that but right. You know, so that that's been a thing that's bugged people for years. Yeah. The Apu character and, and got I mean, I grew up on The Simpsons, loved it, didn't think about it for a while. Yeah. Have a kid now who's watching The Simpsons and loving it and is and is and is really interested in why is Apu funny? Like yeah. why you know, and he knows that Apu has been removed and 
Hank Azaria stepping down from doing that. But anyway, so I see the Simpsons have have, have kind of jumped on the um, bandwagon of this, yeah. if you like, and said we, we'll do the same. We'll make sure no one's voicing any colours of character unless they... Well, and I think that that... A part of the problem is that there aren't people of colour in writers' rooms. Yeah. Or at least yeah. it's getting better, but it's yes. still not good. Yeah, yeah. And so there was no one in the room yeah, to, to say, say, hold on. Yeah. Is should we you know, that that that's mm. not ideal. Mm. Yes, we get that you're doing it to joke about racism, mm. but actually are you just reinforcing the yeah. racist tropes that you're exploiting for comedy? Um So it it, it is just about constant representation because if the people aren't in the room no one's yeah. going to know there was a really good episode of everyone has a blind spot there was a really good episode of that um, Aziz and Zari show Master of None as mm. well that dealt with that and, yeah. and goes back to you know something that I just grew up with and, and didn't even think about that 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 hokey film short circuit yep. and the white guy that plays an Indian character in that mm-hmm. and, and I guarantee that as a kid I just didn't I probably didn't laugh at that character in any way but I didn't didn't notice didn't, didn't register that that was you know not how it should have been or yeah. whatever like just didn't even click probably not really until I watched that episode of Master of None and then went <laughs> shit that's amazing yeah. like how did that you know <laughs> yeah and I think a lot of it now it does seem to be down to actors themselves policing what they are doing. Yeah, yeah. Because clearly executives and people higher up aren't going to be. No. Or maybe they will now but haven't been in an effective way. Yeah. So the people who are actually doing the work have to create the spaces for other people because... Yeah, yeah. You know, because it hasn't even even been that it's been in the too hard basket. It's been in the don't care basket. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah there are plenty of people who can yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You just to just get someone. And clearly, you want to have these characters of color. But yeah. You can't be asked actually getting someone who's yeah. lived that experience yeah, to yeah. voice it. And the same with um, uh, gender and yes. and sexuality and and everything in between there. Yeah. Not having people who actually have experienced that stuff discussing it in the writer's room mm. or directing or whatever it is means that that representation is going to be skewed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your rule on that is, is, is pretty clear and pretty straightforward and, and hopefully going forward it, it would be the sort of thing that wouldn't even need to be a rule a person would have, right? Like <laughs> Totally. Um, particularly for when it comes to race. Yeah, yeah. Um, when it comes to and, and, and when it comes to gender as well yes. um, when it comes to sexuality it's way more complicated yeah of course um, and that's something that I'm still navigating and, and figuring out yeah you know when when do I have when am I able to perform a character who is gay or bisexual um, when I haven't necessarily lived that experience yeah but then again and, and this is why I, I don't have an answer for this, mm. and I hope someone does. Um, my job is to yes. do things that aren't my experience. Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and it's much different when it is a physical element mm-hmm. that it, it is important, mm. you know. Um, but when it's not, it's it becomes complicated. I, 
I had to deal with that earlier this year. I was um, in Midsummer Night's Dream, uh, directed by Shane Bosher, and I was playing Helenus, which was a gender-swapped Helena, and um, so my character uh, was gay. And so finding, luckily my director is also a queer person, <laughs> so that made me feel more comfortable being in that space mm -hmm. but it's something that I am really aware of and try to figure out how to navigate because there are plenty of gay people who can play that part yeah yeah so yeah. why is it that I'm being given that part and yeah. what is it that I'm bringing to it that is relevant yeah yeah yes it's tricky and if you start throwing around words like well meritocracy is a pretty stupid word to use anyway yeah. ever isn't it but but there is an element to that too where it's like yes there are plenty of gay people there are plenty of that could do it yeah but then you start going what else about this character am I yeah. um, maybe better at but then when you yeah yeah and then which is why I always come back yes. to um you know who who is in the room? What is the context? And do I actually have an understanding in order to do this? Um, because if I don't, there's no good reason for me to take the part. Um, but also, it's complicated because when you get cast in something like that, mm. they don't know what your personal life's like. They don't mm. know. So it it just becomes really complicated, and it's something that I'm still. Uh, negotiating with yes. myself yeah, yeah. Um, as we as I continue working mm. um, yeah yeah I guess yeah I guess it's um, and, I, and I have to take my lead from queer people who yeah. are in the room yeah yeah um, that's the important thing and, and actually being willing to be told no you, you shouldn't be doing you yeah, shouldn't be yeah. playing that part yeah yeah because um, hopefully I'll catch the things that I shouldn't be playing but sometimes <laughs> you don't because no, you have right. blind spots yeah and so just yeah it's just important to me that and you not only have blind spots you have a need to turn up and do work yeah. so if it's the thing being offered totally uh, when I, and when I say you I mean anyone in your yeah. position so I'm saying you can actually understand why a person without malice oh yeah jumps at the yeah. idea because it's experience it's a yep. paycheck it's artistically fulfilling whatever the thing is and yeah. they're not even considering but yes and it doesn't it doesn't necessarily justify it for no me. no no it just makes it really complicated yeah yeah um especially when particularly for performers so much of the agency mm. is taken out of your hands yeah you have directors you have producers you have writers they are all in control of whether you get the part or not and so by the so it just it just becomes really complicated as an actor to be like, well, mm. how 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 much can I say here, and where where do I fit with it? But that's why we're having the conversation. Yeah, you know, so that that stuff becomes clearer, and yeah, we come out hopefully we come out the other end of it with a better industry than we had before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, and so next year towards the end of this year is there anything else on next year you're looking at having a couple of plays from this year hopefully yeah. Yeah. rescheduled and there's obviously other work to 
be confirmed and, mm-hmm. and so forth. Yeah, so nothing that I can yeah, confirm yeah. yet, but yeah, there's, yeah. there's various things that are The dance the guard is hopefully filling up. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah, yep. That's, the, that's the plan. <laughs> well, the thing is, nothing can be confirmed at this point no. because of the fact that no. we could be going through another lockdown or whatever next right well, as well and, and we're we, starting to learn that too honestly like, i have more information about next year mm. than i had about this year and about november <laughs> yeah, last year yeah like yeah. you know i yeah. i didn't know that i was doing that play here until the end of february mm. and we were going into rehearsal in april yeah so like that's the turnaround anyway yes yeah yeah so yeah. Yeah, luckily I know that there are a couple of shows that are going to be on next year, so that's yeah. like, oh, I, I have a plan. Yeah, what? yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can actually organise my life. Mm. But um, yeah, so hopefully a couple of other things will pop in there as well. Yeah, yeah. And what's what else for you? Like, what else are you looking to do? Obviously, you've got your um, voice work that's mm-hmm. you're looking to just carry on with. And well, the the reason that's so great is I can basically fit it around anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm working on a play. Yes. You know, I can just slot it in wherever I need to, and it, it's nice and easy. So that's yeah, yeah. that's the real benefit of having it. It's supplementary income, and, yeah, yeah. and is still in the world of what I do. So, yeah, 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 yeah. And so that's just going to carry on. Yeah, until I don't need it anymore, basically. Yeah. And that may never come. Yeah. I may always need it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if I got to the point where I didn't, then that would be great. Uh, but if... If I had to keep doing that, I'd be absolutely Well, I feel like, it. yeah, I mean, it's, it's its own skill and its own reward, but I feel like of all the side jobs an actor could have, it has to be one of the most, like, relevant. <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah. you are using many well, of the, the same most, skills and you are The most compatible with the lifestyle, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of things yeah. changing and timetables changing. Yeah, nothing changing guaranteed and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And needing to be able to yes. go into rehearsal for a month and then, what you know? Yeah. Um, in a way that if I was doing another kind of job in between, it's not quite as flexible. Mm. Um, so I just feel incredibly lucky that I get to do it. And what about, I mean, you're interested in storytelling mm. from the point of view of voice work and acting, mm-hmm. but you've also identified, like, you, you obviously can spot very good writing, talking about Sam Brooks and Annie Baker and so forth. Mm. Is that is that something you're doing and interested in doing, developing your voice as a writer? Uh, I do a little bit of writing. Yeah. Um, what I would say is, like, I enjoy it, and... Um, I find it really good in between stuff mm. when I don't necessarily have a like I don't have a show or I don't have a, a character to get that kind of creative fulfillment from I do a bit of writing and I enjoy that mm. you know um, but it it would never overtake the yeah, acting yeah. for me I like I love the acting so yeah, much yeah. Um, and I I've never been very good at sitting at a desk and doing work I don't yeah. like that yeah because it only engages one part of my person yeah whereas acting you have to use everything um and that's why I found university a pain in the ass because while I was interested in the subjects it was only engaging the brain and not the physical the emotional the mm. spiritual the, the the all of those parts of you that acting does um yeah, particularly when I was acting while I was at university, it was like, why am I bothering? Mm. Like, why am I turning up to this lecture? It doesn't matter. Mm, mm, <laughs> um, mm. But yeah, yeah. So writing, 
I like it, and I, I'll continue to do bits of it here and there. Yeah. Um, but it's more of a well, I think, an in-betweeny thing. I think whether they credit themselves with it or not, all actors, stage actors, are uh, are writers of a kind. You have to be. There's something. There's some component you're giving to a character that is a form of writing always. Mm. Even even if you think you are just translating everything that's on the page, mm. your interpretation of it is by definition a form of writing yeah and and also the whatever level of improv you have yes, within that yeah, yeah, and yeah. um yeah totally. and, and your thinking yeah particularly in terms of theater because you're doing the whole picture every yeah. night yeah. as opposed to film where you're doing bits and pieces and it's really the director's job to get the whole picture mm. um you have to be a part of that cohesive storytelling in yeah. a way you all have to be on board for what we're trying to say, how we're trying to say it, yeah. and then you go into your separate components, but it's got to, to mesh in a way that changes how the story's told. Voices. 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 A thousand thousand voices.